Welcome to 242, the podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church, where we explore topics that are relevant to our lives as followers of the way of King Jesus. Today, I'm hanging out with my friend Elijah Shemenda. Uh, we're also considering a crossover podcast, um, but uh, this is going to be released on 242. And we're talking today about why is it so hard to have hard conversations? And within the context of that, we talk a little bit about race and politics, uh, but even more, is the church a force for reconciliation or a force for division? And we talk a little bit about scripture and how that that plays into that conversation, and we end with a little bit of conversation about our taste in movies. So I hope that you enjoy. All right, man. So yeah. it's official. We have we're we're launching. Is it right? So our our inaugural question is: uh, Why is it so hard to have hard conversations? Yeah, man. And you were going to start with like a some sort of story or yeah. So so uh, one of my best friends, uh, I love him to life. Um, you know, he he just yeah, we're, we're just bros, man. And he, me and him had a conversation. He had been struggling. Um, he's he's white. I'm black. And he had been struggling just with this conversation around race and, and you know, like all this new language, which is being brought up now. When you know, was this? For, this was probably, I'll say about maybe five months ago, five, okay. six months ago. Yeah. And he was just struggling with this, this new language about like CR, CRT and all this other stuff. And, um, and so uh, he was just like, hey, Elijah, look, I know like we've always been the type of friends that are able to have like good conversations because we know that we have like goodwill <laughs> that mm. we know each other's character and it's not going to be, you know, we're, we're each other's safe space. And so <laughs> just hug it out, just hug it out, man. It was like music, violins. <laughs> anyways, I was looking at one of those. <laughs> I, was, I was like, which one can I press? Uh, no. So, so anyways, long story short, we, we start having this conversation and what would quickly we found out is that like we can't have this conversation mm. right Why? and i think i think part of the reason was like we in it we were working we we initially wanted to to figure out like h- how can we best think about this well together right how can we come in with our two different perspectives and just um and just have a good hard conversation knowing that um, at the end of the day, our friendship, our faith, mm-hmm. all these things, like actually what matter most. I actually think we, like we survived those conversations because of those things. But, I, but like right. the original goal is that we end up just having to table it because we were getting so emotional about it. And, and I think we were striving for this like rightness, right? Like I want to be the person who is correct mm-hmm. and not just like, Let's have this hard conversation. It's okay if we land in different places, but like, mm-hmm. let's have it. You know, and I, I think that's that's a frustrating thing. I think when we, when, you know, when the reason why we kind of are where we are because people don't struggle with having just real conversations. That's so. It's interesting in listening to you talk about that story. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about Braver Angels. Have I talked to you about mm-hmm. them? Yeah. So I really like them. Um, they're uh, an organization that got started out of the 2016 election cycle, um, and they 
basically are working to decrease polarization in America. Yeah. Right. So you're like, oh, that, that's a compelling mission. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like on board, that. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with that. Right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we need that. Um, but their their mission. So that's that's kind of like their overarching mission. But their strategy, interestingly enough, was taking some of the best tools from marital counseling yeah. and applying that to individuals and communities that were divided politically. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's intriguing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no, 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 you're not allowed to solve the problem. You just have to hear what the person says. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to be able to articulate it back to them. Yeah. Right. Stuff like that where yeah. you're like, yeah, all the annoying stuff you've done in like marriage therapy, but that actually ends up being really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> Cause you're actually dumber than you think you are. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> like no you actually didn't hear your There's wife so many flashbacks that's not that are, what she said Janie say it again because <laughs> Elijah wasn't listening yeah. right well so but then doing that kind of work with people who are divided politically right so that was so that was their mission and their strategy that's how they got started and they they've since branched out they do other things besides just these kind of like blue and red workshops but that's what they started off with yeah and um yeah, I think as you were talking, I was thinking of the work that they do, but also like connected to that really is, I think we assume we know the point of the conversations that we're having yeah. and we never clarify what are we, why, why are we talking? Yeah. Like, why are we having this conversation? What's the goal of this conversation? Yeah. And not all conversations have the same goal. So we could have, you know, we could have a conversation where the goal is, I just want to understand what you think more. Yeah. Or we could have the goal of we need to come to a consensus around the decision that we're going to make. And those are two radically different conversations, yeah, right? Yeah. So if I'm trying to understand where my friend comes down on some issue or why why it's so important to him or whatever, like that, I'm going to approach that conversation very differently than a conversation where I'm your boss and I'm, I need to get your... Like I need to make sure that you're going to do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. And I'm going to approach that very differently than a conversation where it's like you and I have to make some decision together as partners, you know, like yeah. those are all different kinds of conversations. And yeah, so I think, I definitely think part of the reason why hard conversations are hard is because we don't, we don't set appropriate expectations for the conversations. We don't say, no. Hey, look, we're not going to, we're not going to solve anything. We're not going to agree to anything in this conversation we're just going to actually hear each other and hopefully understand each other a little bit. And that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. And that's, that's a modest enough goal that, that you probably with two well-meaning people who have radically different opinions, you probably could accomplish that in a conversation. But, but how often do we actually kind of like set the expectations before we talk? Yeah. I think like, you know, as even as you saying that, like I was just thinking about our, my conversation with my buddy and I think like, that was something that came up over and over again was, was definitely like, like, well, like, what's the point, <laughs> you know, what's and, the I mean, point of the conversation? Yeah, what's the point of conversation? Like, where are we actually driving to is like, and you know, like I would have to kind of like say, Hey, listen to reverse button. Cause like, like we need, I don't think I understand what we're saying. And he would do the same thing, right? He'd be like, Hey, let's hit because we kept on missing each other. And I think right. what you're saying, I, I like, I a hundred percent agree. Just kind of thinking about the potholes of that conversation and how at, at at one point, like in my mind, he became a bad actor in my mind. Right. And I'm sure it was vice versa. Right. right? And it's like, you're no, you're intentionally not hearing what I'm having to say, or you're trying to, or you're just trying to like get your point across. And I thought this was supposed to be a conversation. Right. <laughs> and so like that, that's the part where it's just like, man, now we're, we're going in circles 
and 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 yeah. you know now motives are being attached where we came in with like you know these genuine like desire to to have like a really good conversation yeah. that would be edifying for both of us right like that would right. be beneficial for both of us um and, and no i so i i 100% i 100% agree with you and i think the other thought that i had when you were when you were sharing that is that i think these hot button topics that are cultural or that are near and dear to our hearts like are are so polarizing mm-hmm. right that um yeah like i like we don't want to have the benefit of that we're actually looking for a sounding board because maybe we've been thinking about it or we've kind of just been in our own silo hearing people which kind of think like us right, right. and then like so when we when we do come up against an other person we have this built-in argument that's that's ready to kind of unload and it's and it's not this just like like hey man i have these thoughts right and i'm just going to be really genuine like it's a lot of them but i, I you know like right help me work through it together and i'm okay actually if i don't like end up landing where I, nat- I I did, but I I really do need to actually process this thing well. The, the really cool thing about my me and my buddy was that after we gave ourselves space, like after the conversation, after conversation, we actually took like man a couple months off, like just even just talking about that. Um, I remember him saying to me later on in a totally different conversation, he's like, "Man, dude, I just really appreciate the way you think about things," and. I've attached this idea from that last conversation. Right. Right. Um, and which I was just like, man, dude, like, right. That's, I, I just looked at him. I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. You know what I mean? But like in the middle of it, I was just like, dude, you're, you're a bad actor. You're, you're an <laughs> evil person. Yeah. Like you're, you know what I mean? Like you're just what you're saying. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, but, and that's, that's the reason why I was like, I care about, and I, and I would constantly say, and he said this too, but like, I would, I was definitely a person. I was like, dude, I, I honestly don't care about any of this stuff. Like I care about our friendship more because I feel like that has lasting power. Like these other things, they're not going to like come to my funeral, you know, <laughs> and, or they're not going to come to my, my son's like birthday party or whatever. Right. Like these things don't matter to me as much. We can figure that stuff out like through time or whatever. But, but yeah, I, I just think like, man, we live in a day and age where technology like, and the, the expedience of like, I can Google the right answer Mm. makes us like experts we're all experts at nothing <laughs> yeah you know yeah no that i mean that's true that i've been thinking about that a lot i mean i guess probably everybody's been thinking about that a lot lately but um <laughs> yeah there's a um a, a guy that i listen to that i respect quite a bit who basically has had his wikipedia page kind of hacked is the wrong word because it's that's how wikipedia works yeah but basically his Wikipedia page is lying about him and there's nothing he can do to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so people can edit his, but he can't edit it back. Well, yes, he can edit it back, but, but the way just, yeah. they, there's enough people out there who are convinced that what the Wikipedia page is saying about him is true, that even though he's the person that it's about, oh. he doesn't have enough power Jeez. against the mob to like change the page. And so like it's saying things about him that aren't true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you're like, hmm, that's fascinating. Oh my God. <laughs> what does that say about the world we live in, right? It's rewrite history. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so I think, yeah, I don't know. Wikipedia is, that's a whole, that's a rabbit. Yeah, man. Rabbit trail from our conversation. But it's, it's connected though. Yeah. You know, like that question of why are, why are hard conversations so hard to have? I mean, I think there is a, 
technology is driving some of that. You know, I think it's probably always been hard to have hard conversations. So it's, you know, you go back to 2000 years when you either, you were either chiseling your conversation on stone or you were having it in, yeah. in the flesh. Like I'm sure it was still hard then too. Yeah. But what we have now is, you know, I mean, whether you're talking about Twitter and Facebook that are like algorithmically geared and even just like the structure of it is geared toward, you know, like small, small sound bite sized things that are generating outrage and that that's, that's what's prioritized, yeah. you know, like that's, that's clearly a problem. But then even what you were pointing at where it's like, well, yeah, we have, we have access to more information now than, than like in human amounts of information compared to even just, a, yeah. a you know, 50 or a hundred years ago. And, um, and that makes us think that we know things that we don't Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah. So like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I actually texted this to you, um, but I, I texted that uh, article yep. and yep. you're like, yeah, we should talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what my response was, but I, I, I want to, I, I was going to text back basically like, we can't talk about this. We're not experts. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, like, yeah. We don't actually know this. I, like we could certainly <laughs> sound like we think we know what we're talking about on but a we subject don't. like that. No. Well, yeah. I was being sarcastic. But I, I literally thought in my head, I was like, I hope he knows I'm being sarcastic. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but that happens so often yeah. where, you know, I'm convinced that I know something that I don't. Yeah. Or, or that I don't have, you know, maybe I have some information about it, but I don't really have, have details. And I think that that is something that is, that is being pushed by, um, that like technology is driving some of that attitude, but also, and I mean, again, I would say that there's technological factors in this too, but like the, the polarization that has taken place in our country, yeah. um, in the last, you know, decade or two really creates there there's an incentive to I think you you would you had pointed this earlier too there's an incentive to talk not to you know maybe like build intimacy with a friend yeah, or yeah. gain understanding or even find some sort of consensus towards you know a shared you know path forward like we're not doing any of that all yeah. we're doing is we're well virtue signaling or yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that's 100%. it. It's just like yeah. I'm only talking to broadcast the team that I belong to or to like bash people on the other team. And exactly. that's really the only reason I'm, yeah. I'm talking. And so that like that, I think there's some technological drivers of that, but there's also this kind of like, yeah, like which, you know, are you team blue or team red? Yeah. And, and there's comfort in that, right? Like there's, there's yeah. this like absolute uh, comfort in, like having people which agree with the way that you think and you feel like you're right. And, and so like, what's the incentive of me, like not, you know, continuing to be in this space. I have, I have my, my tribe. They, they believe in me, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, they, like they think the way that I think. And I think like, man, if we even have to take it like to the church, like, I think like yeah. this is the beauty of, of like community, like what this, this experiment, right. Uh, this new, this new kingdom movement that, that Jesus is starting that, right. Like it's, it's grabbing people from different parts and saying like, you know, I think about Roman, I think it's, is it Romans 11, Romans 12. He says like, you belong together. I don't know why that's always like stuck out to me when it's just kind of like, it's, you know, it talks about, Hey, you know, don't, don't have, you, you know, don't worry about things, you know, 
uh, that are out there. Oh, now the pastor who doesn't remember the scripture. Uh, what is it? Um, keep your keep your th- thoughts on you know things that are above, not beneath, or whatever. And uh, it keeps going, and then it just kind of says like all these gifts are being given to you, and like you belong to one another. And that that verse. There's these like verses which just capture my imagination sometimes and they just like they just stick or like a little phrase. And and I don't know, like that's just that to me is just like that's such a deep way of talking about community. Mm -hmm. Right. That moves past. Like what I want or what my desires are or. You know, and saying like, no, actually what I have to give is actually best utilized when the whole gets to share it right Mm -hmm. when the group gets to share it and there's some pushback there's whatever but i I don't get to i don't get to hog this 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 thing and i think like it 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 demands a type of community that is that is vulnerable right and conversations aren't vulnerable (laughs) these conversations Mm -hmm. that we're having this day for all the reasons that that we're talking about they're just they're not they're not vulnerable. And so if you say something that doesn't fit my thing, right, I'm not willing to to say like, man, okay, let me be on, let me take an honest assessment. What I'm what I'm actually more willing to do is say, oh, you disagree with my point on Black Lives Matter, for example, right? Well, you're a racist. That's a that's a giant leap, right? Like, and no one wants to have that conversation or like you're then you're this, you know what I mean? And I just feel like that's, I think that's what's, I think that's what's, that's what's super frustrating today, right? Yeah. And and the fact that as, you know, believers in Jesus, that we do that to one another, <laughs> that's yeah. even more sad, like that's even more sad. No, you get what I'm saying? I oh, do, yeah. yeah. I actually just had a conversation last night with a good friend um, about, were we talking specifically about race? I don't think we were. Um, but definitely, like, the, just more broadly, like, poli- the political divisions that exist. I mean, race was a part of that, obviously. Like, the way um, the way evangelical Christians in particular, because both myself and my friend would all, all of the, um, you know, kind of like, heartburn that we might have with that term and being associated with that part of the church, we yeah. both still would identify as evangelical yeah. Christians, right? <laughs> so we both would identify as that. Yeah. Um, but the way in which the evangelical church in America has engaged around political kinds of questions, um, including around race is, uh, my friend and I were agreeing. It's just problematic. It's troubling. Yeah. It's not healthy. And, what's even more disappointing is not even that the evangelical church has taken a side on both the, let's say the debate around, you know, red or blue in politics and the debate around black lives matter and you know, the, the conversation there it's, it's a bummer that the evangelical church in America has taken a side on those two things. What's even worse though, is that they have taken a side in such a way as to, cast dispersions on the other side. Yeah. That's even worse when, when what really the church should be doing to your point is being the leader in a polarized society, being the leader of a move towards reconciliation and healing. Yeah. That's what the church should be. Right. Yeah. And, 
you know, so that the, the passage in Romans or in some of the other places where Paul is talking about, you know, this metaphor of the body and this unity of, mm. of Christians of different giftedness, but also of different religious background, different ethnic background, different gender, different, you know, class status, all coming together. And it's like, well, that's the vision of what the church is supposed to be, is this yeah. community that... Um, is divided is the wrong word is diverse politically is diverse ethnically is diverse. Yeah. You know, in terms of that, it's diverse literally in every way that you could measure it except for one. Yeah. And the one place where we're united is that Jesus is the King. Yeah. And that's what the church is supposed to be. And that should put us into a polarized society as like, man, how, how are you guys getting along? Can you teach us something about how you're getting along? Yeah. But instead the church, or at least the evangelical church in America has been actually one of the main drivers of that polarization. And that's really sad. I guess my, so the, the, my question is, right? Like how do we then do that? Right. That being. Yeah. I mean, what, what we're talking about, right? Like that we we're all coming with, our diverse backgrounds and um, ethnically, politically, whatever, and um, how how do we how do we best how do we best represent how do we do that how do we best represent that in the world when, for example, right, our churches are um, are are not diverse, right? And this is what I mean. I'm not just talking about color because I think that's the right. first thing that happens, but I'm talking about like socioeconomically they're right. not diverse right like we have the same most of the people have the same education level which go to the same churches right they have the same you know whatever like we just go down the list yeah no i think ethnic diversity is actually the easiest kind of diversity yeah and, and so like so then how do we how do we do that because like unless you have last my check unless you have different people with different voices around you right like you're right. just not going to have those conversations and then unless you have the willpower to be okay with getting punched in the mouth, right? Like then Wait, you're not going to, I mean, you is know there what mean? something you want to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were having a podcast, <laughs> right? I didn't bring my gloves, man. Bring, bring your gloves, man. <laughs> uh, no, man, because like, I just think, I mean, and again, like I, I wasn't even like, I feel like we can definitely dive deep into like different parts of scripture or whatever in this, but like uh, immediately, like I just think about the group of people that Jesus has around him. Mm -hmm. and that's about as diversity as as it gets, man. Like it, it. So that's that's actually an interesting point to make because yeah. it it was about as diverse as you could possibly get a group of twelve people to be. Yeah, and yet they were every single one of them Jewish. Yep. Every single one of them men. Yeah, and so it's interesting to like the markers of diversity that we would use today. They yeah. had zero, zero diversity, and yet like they really we were, were incredibly diverse. diverse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have, you have the equivalent in, in, in Matthew, the tax collector and yeah. Simon, the zealot, you have the equivalent of like, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the leader of the SWAT team and the leader of the black lives matter yeah. movement in your hometown. Just And they're, and Jesus mesh. is like, I want you and you come follow me. Yes. And they're like, wait, I'm, I'm, I want to follow you, but that guy can't, that, can't. that guy, I can't hang out with him. Man. And he's like, yeah, you can. Yeah. And they did. You can. And that's, that's the thing, like, you can do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I don't know, I don't know too many places where I think, like, I've seen that done well, you know. And maybe that's the reason why, I don't know, maybe, like, we're not seeing these, like, 
overwhelming movements. And I'm not saying that it's not happening anywhere. I'm just saying like, I haven't necessarily seen it. Yeah. No, that, so again, the friend that I was talking to last night, that was the, he was, he, he was the one, I mean, I tend to be a cynic, but he was the one in the conversation we were having. He was the one essentially saying, you know, ah, the church is going to hell and yeah. it's horrible. And I kept saying, well, no, like there, there's these pockets of like yeah. Christians doing good stuff. And, but I mean, I think if, if we are going to be honest in our assessment of the evangelical American church, there are some pockets of, of Christians doing some good work on, yeah. on this issue, but it's only pockets. It's only pockets. Yeah. It's not, um, well, okay. So I'll say like, maybe let me retract that because I, I would say like we do it. We attempt to do we it. We attempt to do it. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like I think like, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the driving motivations for this podcast was just like conversations that we've had. Right. And like where I think if somebody dropped in on the conversation, not okay. no. yes. If by we you mean the two of us in our friendship, yeah. heck yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that's sure. What, and that's what I mean, right? Like, and we are the church, right? Like, what right. are the requirements to have church, right? right? Like, if you, know you what mean, mean, though, in, our, in the broader context <laughs> of the fact context. that we both are pastors and we're trying to lead in this direction, then it's like, well, I don't know how yeah. fruitful we really no, are. No, no, I think, I think you're <laughs> we're exactly trying. right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in our friendship, totally, we, our friendship, we exhibit this. Yeah. But I, think, I would say, though, to, to the earlier point, so you're black, I'm white. We have definitely some like ethnic, you know, even just your, your, your roots in Africa, Africa not, yep. not just in the, as a, as a black American, um, you know, so we have some, some like real differences there yeah. that are obvious and that our culture would look at and say, oh wow, these are two very different people. Yeah. But actually we're, like we have a lot of similarities. Yeah, right. yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so like, it's yeah. not actually all that impressive that we're like friends yeah. and don't hate each other. Yeah. No, nah, that's oh, man. So like, so, I was really trying to get a good point here, Steve. Right. And you're not helping me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say like, that race doesn't this? matter, but I would yeah. say that, that like to find two people and we're not the same person, but, yeah. but to find two people that have a lot in common in terms of their personality and their passions and yeah. even like our politics aren't identical, but they're similar enough. Yeah, and definitely, like, you know, our, our lifestyle and our vocation and you know, like there's yeah. so much, I mean, even like our history as athletes, there's so much about who we are. That's, that's very true. similar. And so to find two people and say, Oh, but look, he's black and he's white. Wow. Yeah. Look at that's They're so diverse. See, it's like, well, no, like, like we're almost more the same person. Yeah. Than, yeah. And that's where I think like, so like you messed me up there because <laughs> I was actually, goal. I wasn't even thinking you about to punch race. me in the face. No, though, I so I gotta mess you up a little. <laughs> there, there, this is being recorded. No, I, I actually wasn't even thinking about race. I was actually thinking about other things. But then when you started going through, I was like, yeah, actually we do think a lot alike. A lot. So <laughs> right. this, this is not a good, uh, <laughs> right. it's not a look good example. Uh, no, I think, no, I, no, I think you're, you're definitely right. I think one of the reasons why, like I've, I've considered you one of my closest friends, like you're the go-to person whenever my mind is thinking right. about like, Hey, like I have these things that are going through or I'm going through or whatever, whatever, who can I trust? Um, is because like, yeah, like, man, like, I, yeah, I just, like, we've, we've built that friendship over time. But, like, I would say, like, we didn't know that at first, no, right? No, true, yeah. And, like, we were willing, I think we've been both willing to be vulnerable with yeah. each other and just kind of share, hey, man, this is where we're at and this is what's going on in our own personal lives and whatever, here's what's going on in the church. Um, and I think that's brought us there, right? Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is that, like, I think... That 
Uh, see, I don't know if I want to even make that because I don't know if I would say like at the beginning, I didn't know. I think like you had me at hello, man. <laughs> you complete me. You complete. No, because like I remember the first time we went and grabbed the, uh, we went and like just walked around and we, we were yeah. trying to meet each other and you were like, you were like, dude, like I don't care if your church is like a thousand people or if it's two people or whatever. Like, dude, I want to be your friend and I want to make sure that like you have a marriage in the next whatever many years and your kids still love Jesus. And like, I want to have your back. And that's, that's what I'm trying to offer. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm, I rock with this guy. Like you know say, and then everything else came together. But like, I remember thinking like, yeah, man, yeah, I rock with this guy. So like, I, I don't think like I had ever, ever thought like, well, you know, Steve's white dude or like, so those, white. like literally, I don't know if that, that, that's ever come up even in my mind. No, I don't no. think it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, man, like scrap my example. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as you were talking, I was thinking this is, this is like a corollary question to our, our, like our main question that we're trying to discuss is why is it so hard to have hard conversations? But a lot of the like examples, both that we brought up and even the ones that we were thinking about before the conversation, they all were like the through line and all of them is like some sort of political, cultural hot button or even theological hot button conversation. Yeah. Right. But it made me wonder the the story you were just telling. It made me wonder, is it equally hard to have hard conversations when they're not about that and they're like maybe like personal stuff? Yeah. You know? And I wonder about that. Is it, and, and I actually, I don't, yeah. I don't think that it is as hard. Like that's still hard, you yeah. know? So if it's yeah. like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something that would come up between us, but you know, like in, in my marriage, like they're like, I do something that hurts her. She does something that hurts me. It's still hard to go like, you know, deal with that and have a conversation about that. Um, but I actually don't think that those conversations are as hard as some of these hot button cultural conversations. I think those are harder. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, even just thinking through, you know, like I just recently had to have a conversation with somebody in our church where I had, I, it wasn't like a huge confrontation, but I did have to confront somebody where it's like, Hey, this is something that you've been doing that you, you know, that you shouldn't. And I have to have a conversation with you about it. And that wasn't fun. I didn't, I don't like those kinds of conversations, but I do have to have them from time to time. The person, once they knew what we were talking about, they didn't want to have the conversation either, but they were mature and like we had the conversation and, yeah. and I feel like that's those conversations, even though they're difficult inherently, they're easier, I think, than some of these, like it's, it's really, I think it's the, the political nature of it. Like whenever there is like this, whenever this polarization of our culture comes to bear on a topic it becomes way harder to actually have a real honest conversation about it. You either end up in your bubble where everybody's just patting each other on the back for what good people they are, yeah. or you're in a conversation where you're at war and it's not really a conversation. It's about burning each other at the stake. Yeah. And there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, Hey, I think you're wrong, but I want to understand you or, you know, like that, that, that middle ground doesn't, yeah. doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. I think, would you say would you say that's a a fear of vulnerability even on on on, on both oh, yeah. sides right like like deep conversation or cultural big large conversation like all of that just basically comes to like I don't want to I don't want to feel like I am 
naked. You know what I'm saying out here. No, that's and, part of it for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it, the, so, you know, for uh, like we haven't, it's this conversation hasn't been primarily about race, but we like race is a part of this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we were kind of joking about it before we actually hit record that, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a white guy. Like we can't get too deep. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. At least, at least not when, the, when we're recording it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah, like there is that sense of, well, how, Oh, that's good. Yeah. How well can I really truly take risks in a conversation where I'm, where my goal is honesty? Yeah. Cause, cause if my goal is honesty, then that is going to lead me to a place where I'm going to be vulnerable from time to time. Yeah. And how willing am I to be vulnerable when I'm like worried about how it will be perceived? And I, like you and I are close enough friends that yeah. I know that if I a say something that I believe crossed a line, mm-hmm. I can come back to you and you will forgive me. Yeah. Or even if I yeah. say something that I don't think crossed the line, but you do yeah. that also like we have enough relationship yeah. where I, I trust you. Yeah. But now we're talking and we're like hoping somebody else will listen to it. And yeah. so it's like, okay, I don't know who that person is. And so then, then it becomes, well, do I trust that person with what I'm saying? Yeah. And for them to actually have the generosity of a friend and in interpreting my words, well, no, I don't. Yeah. And there are certain, certain topics that, and again, it's the political topics. As a matter of fact, yeah, this is, so you're, you're probably familiar with the term, the Overton window. Have you heard oh. that? Oh, oh, okay. It's, I mean, it's a simple concept, but the basic idea is that, um, the Overton window is the window within which um, uh, acceptable, like co- topics inside the window are acceptable for public conversation. Yeah. Right. So that's like, it's the the conversation of acceptable public discourse and within the Overton window, there's disagreement, right? So you could have somebody on this side and somebody on this side and they're arguing, but both of those perspectives are acceptable within the frame of yeah. public discourse there are clearly things outside of the Overton window. So like in Nazi Germany in the 19, you know, whatever, 1930s, you know, Hey, like we're going to, we're going to exterminate the, the different races that we don't like. Yeah. Right. That was acceptable discourse. I'm sure that there are people disagreeing with it, but it was acceptable discourse. Well, today in America, you don't get to say that. Like that's not a position you get to argue for. Right. And so you have this concept of the Overton window, but it clicked for me. Um, I don't know, like a year ago, it's like, oh, we don't have one Overton window in our society. We have two competing Overton windows and two different communities that hold and they overlap. So there's some stuff in the middle, but also like both sides view some of what the folks in the other side are saying as outside of the bounds of what's acceptable within polite discourse. And so that's where, you know, like, you're a commie, you're a white supremacist. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like, cause you, you went outside of the bounds of the Overton window that I ascribed to. Yeah. So, so I think like, as I'm hearing you say that here, here's the immediate thought as Jesus followers, right? As followers of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be just like, okay, well, where, where is that? What is that? How, how do we get to that? And I would say like, yeah. that's a difficult that's a difficult place to answer. But I think as if you are a follower of Jesus, like mm-hmm. that's very actually pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and it's not just about like, don't do any harm because I don't think that's what that looks like. If you follow Jesus, I think it's be very, very honest. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it doesn't look like Jesus, then you're outside of that window. Right. Would, would you agree with that? Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I would say, and so like, why is it 
then this this is my, this is this is the what I'm driving down to. Why is it then that we allow those red and blue or whatever you want to call them other windows, right? And it's like wh- why do we let that define for the church, for for any corner of the church. Yeah, for any corner of the church. And that's the, I think that's the part which I am, if, if you have been, if you're like, you know, a believer and you've seen it like right, left, middle, whatever, I think we've been discouraged just kind of looking at the way these conversations have, have played out. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's been like, man, dude, like, but I thought, I, I thought you were a believer. It's not that I, I, like you shouldn't ask the hard questions yep, or you shouldn't say the hard things. Yep. Right. But it's like, man, I, I think that you've, you've moved outside of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yep. And the tail end to this, I'm, I know I'm flooding you with a no, lot of thought here, it. right? Flood like the away. tail end with this is that. I'd is, rather that than you punch me in the face. <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, no, but like, okay. So, but the tail end of that is, in this day and time where everybody's deconstructing everything mm-hmm. and there's no reconstruction that's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but we're just trying to like get to the bare essence of whatever mm-hmm. with no type of roadmap. Like, is this what happens? Is is that, is that just what happens? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So in the, this that happens is what name that, uh, that, like Jesus, like this Jesus window, right? That kind of, that allows us to have these hard conversations, but we're not going outside of those lines, right? Like they, they've obviously been overlapped. We've seen believers again, you know, um, being informed by these outside sources. And yeah. we're saying, no, like, like these are our lines. These these are what acceptable. No, you're a communist. No, you're you know what I'm saying a right. Nazi or whatever. And why are those things basically like the defining lines of like what's acceptable and not for Christians. what for our Christians, right? Like right. for anybody outside of that. Again, like I think we would both say as believers, right? Like you you have to figure out what that argument is for yourself. Like what is what is acceptable in a society yeah. to have good conversation come from two different perspectives. But I think it's it's pretty clear if you're a believer, right? Yeah. And so I'm saying is is this age of deconstruction part of that what's happening? Because it does feel yeah. like like no, I think orthodoxy right. is like fluid now, right? Like right. we don't even like people don't even like this it's almost anathema. Like you can't use that word anymore. Yeah. Right? Like everything is up for grabs. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that the the we are living in the age of the it's 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 you know the post Christian era, like where yeah we we used to be a Christian culture. We used to be, and again, you know, there there's I know I know that that can what I just said can kind of set people off. I, okay, I Brian McLaren. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna channel my Brian McLaren. Brace yourself. Uh, but I mean, I think clearly America, the the church in America used to have a position of primacy, cultural primacy that it no longer has. The church in, uh, the, the American culture used to have uh, a lot of Christian influences that it, it now no longer has. Um, and so like saying that, I would just say that's what it means to be a post-Christian culture and that that's, that's what we are. Yeah. And that 
there are that what that means is is that there are all sorts of people who still have all of the kind of like trappings of Christianity without Christianity. There are also people who have Christian faith with all sorts of interesting relationship to the church or, you know, like we just, we live in a much more, um, I don't know, like the church is mangled and the culture is, it's just, yeah, it's, it's like, um, you know, flotsam and jetsam. It's like the, the detritus of ships that have sunk in a battle. And that's, that's what Christianity looks like in our, in our culture today. And so, yeah, you have people who are like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Well, it means I voted for Trump. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. That's what that means to you. But then, you know, like to have, I don't know, like NPR, that's their definition of a Christian is somebody who voted for Trump. And I'm yeah. like, well, no, but that's not, Yeah. Like, but, but you can't, you can't necessarily blame NPR for using that as a definition for what it means to be an evangelical when there are people running around saying that they're evangelicals and that's their definition. Exactly. Of, it's kind of like, well, that's not. I don't know what well, to do with that. And I think what makes that worse too is like, it's like, okay, all right, well then let's have that conversation. Yeah. And, and whatever, whoever you voted for, Biden, Trump, whoever, mm-hmm. right. Forgot who the libertarian candidate was. Um, I voted for a woman. <laughs> exactly. That's, Joe that's, Jorgensen. Is that, is that who it was? Is that the mm, libertarian candidate? This time around. Yeah. Wow. Yes. These are, this is real conversations. So I'm just I, I'm just the most progressive person. I, you are very I'm very so progressive. progressive. I actually voted for You're uh, so progressive you're aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I voted for Joe Jorgensen for vice president in 1996. Really? First, yeah, she was on the ticket with Harry Brown. I didn't know that. I I I hadn't remember that, but I ended up hearing that somewhere this last election cycle. I'm like, "Oh, I actually that was my first first of um presidential vote when I was that's why freshman in college in the 96 election. So you've always been a, uh, a rebel. You just didn't kinda. want to be fit in the box. Yeah. Kind of. I feel it. I feel you. Yeah. I mean, I, so I voted for, um, yeah, I guess I can share all this. Um, people. So I used to keep be like way more close to the vest about my politics. Um, because I was a pastor Yeah, and I, I think I shared some of this with you. You know, yeah. we did that politics series, uh, this last summer. Yeah. And I really felt like, I needed to change like some of the lines I had drawn around how I talked about politics. So in my preaching, I still keep my politics out of my preaching. Yeah. So I still feel like that's an appropriate line, but outside of the pulpit, I actually should be more open with my politics yeah, um, yeah. and not feel like I need to keep that secret anyway. So yeah, so I've in presidential elections, um, I voted for Obama the first time. Yeah. Not the second time. I voted. No, no, no. The second time I abstained. That's right. So let's see. How did this work? I voted Brown in 96. I voted. Um, Man, you really deep dive in here. Yeah, I know. I have to think through. <laughs> I think I did. I voted. I voted for Bush in 2000. Yeah. Um, not because I liked him, uh, but because all of the gore heads annoyed me. I was in college then and yeah. it was, it was like, uh, it was more out of spite. I voted for Bush. Yeah. Uh, and then 2004 I voted, I think it was Brown again. I think he was still the libertarian candidate. No, no, no. I might have the, I might have the, the dates wrong anyway. So I voted libertarian and then either Republican and libertarian or libertarian and Republican. And, and then when I came out here in 2008, 
That's what it was. Was um, Buffalo was, messed you up? Yeah, Buffalo messed me up. <laughs> no, I voted for Obama, <laughs> and actually, the reason why I voted for Obama again, I didn't, I don't, I didn't like his politics even in the lead up to the election. Yeah, just like I didn't like Bush's politics, but I voted for him specifically because I read, um, uh, which was the book, The Audacity of Hope. Yeah, and he he like he made a case for kind of like post-partisan politics. And yeah. I was like, I like that. And there was, it was specifically a story he told about um, an anti-abortion doctor that he had a conversation with uh, a doctor who was anti-abortion, who they had, a, they had like a public discourse and the way that he talked about that guy and that conversation. Like I was like, yeah, I like this guy. Like, yeah. I'll vote for him. So I voted for him. And then I really felt like I felt betrayed by Obama. Yeah. Um, because I felt like he was not only was he partisan, like everybody else was partisan, but he convinced me that he wasn't. And I voted for him. So I really <laughs> felt like he got me. And so then the next time around, I didn't even vote. Yeah. yeah. So the, the second Obama term, I, I just abstained and that was a conscious decision. It wasn't like I was and bored or I a, forgot or whatever. You've been putting a Trump sticker on your truck since. Right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And then, and then this last election I voted, I voted libertarian again, but I would say like, in terms of my politics, yeah, I've found my home in the Libertarian Party, and yeah, um, but also like as a Christian, that's not like that doesn't define me. It doesn't define you know I me, mean? and, and it's so, okay to say that, right? right? Like, and I think like where like if somebody says to me like, yeah, like I I think like Trump is is like God's chosen savior for oh the world. Gosh. This is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna be like, okay, let's have that conversation. The problem is right. I'm probably going to try and convince him that that's wrong. And he's going to try and convince me that's a, that's right. And we're not going to have a conversation to say like, Hey, what does God actually think about this? Because we're trying, because what we both have in common, right. Is that like God is at the center, but like, I'm, I'm already going to have like my motivations or I'm going to, I'm going to ascribe his motivations as being like nefarious. Right. And so, like, it's up to me to convince, right? Like, and I think, like, that's mm. just kind of bringing it back full circle. Like, I think that's the issue, right? Because even with these, like, situations which are super out, th what the the window, right, that we're talking about, like, Jesus says, like, brings, he has zealots, right, and tax, and traitors at the same table. Those mm. are, I mean, it doesn't get about as far apart Right. Than that. Right. And he's like, no, that's fine. You get to sit here. And then not only do we do that, but we bring you, he brings them to the table of communion. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's where the flesh really starts getting pressed. Right. And like, in yeah. that same and it, table, <laughs> it wasn't either one of them that ended up betraying Jesus. Exactly. Either. It was not another one of them. And Jesus is calling out the, it's always the treasure. <laughs> it's the one that won't let you have money. <laughs> no, but like, but I was just, I mean, was, I, I forget. I was reading Amy Levine. I think she was talking mm. about this. It's really, um, so she's a, uh, new Testament scholar from Vanderbilt. She's Jewish. She's not a mm. believer, okay. but she teaches new Testament to pastors. It's really interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. But she's trying to like, she's saying like, man, her whole thing and just kind of give like a quick, uh, breakdown. She wrote a really cool story. I ha I'm having to read it for seminary. It's called uh, stories by Jesus. And it's breaking down the, the parables, five main parables. And she's like, of trying to get them to get us to understand like the Jewishness of this parable, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes we've kind of, she's like, we kind of lost it and we're, we're ascribing some like things, you know, she talks about like in uh, the story of just real quick side note, she talks about in the story of um, uh, the, the lost sheep, the lost coin and the prodigal son, she's like, man, like we have this real like redemptive, like here's what's, you know, Jesus is going to come and, you know, rescue the lost. He's like, but like, is that Jesus's real point? Because to those people right there and then Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? So like, that's something that we could read back into it. And she's like, I'm not even saying, and she's like, I'm not even saying that's wrong, but she's like at the same time, like, but to the listeners of it, that's yeah. not Jesus's point. No, you know, within, he's, the, within the context of the parables, the point was, um, you think that God is judging those people, but he's yeah. actually judging you. you. Exactly. And so like, this, so like, so she's, she's doing, I mean, she does a real, real good job, you know, and, and like, I just appreciate, I just appreciate, I think like the way that she writes, she's, she's, she's incredibly smart, not a believer. I don't think she, she's like looking towards that path. Um, but like, she's, she's incredibly smart, New Testament scholar and teaching our young pastors. Uh, strange profession. Strange profession. And like, anyways, but um, I, I say all that to say that like, where was I going with this? <laughs> I say all that. I, I say all that to say, like, there's, there is this, this. I think this, the space as believers that, um, at the that Jesus like kind of teaches us at the table of communion, right, where you have all these different characters which are working. Yeah, I found my way back out the rabbit hole, um, and and in that same space, Jesus turns to Peter and says, like, you're gonna deny me. Mm. Like, and, and in that same space, he turns and, and Peter doesn't leave. Like that's, I mean, how powerful, how powerful is that image? Right. You know what I'm saying? She was kind of talking about like, how powerful is that image? And in that same space says to Judas, you're going to betray me. And he immediately runs off. Yeah. And like, there's something, and Peter's willing to have the conversation, even though he's blasted, he's frustrated, even after Jesus dies, comes back, and then Jesus has to sit down with him and have another powwow with him. Yeah. Like, okay, Peter, like, suck it up, dude. Like, I am alive. You see me. You know what I mean? Like, like that's that's what's happened. There's something, there's something there, again, that I think, like, is just so beautiful when we talk about, like, community and these conversations, and Jesus was willing to, like, Wade in this like with people which are just like you know i think that we're so easy to escape from and so like no like that the trump dude or the crt person or whatever like they're worth having the conversation because the window that jesus gives us is so much bigger than our own lenses and for whatever reason like we have said like no like i don't want that and and we've allowed the culture to define like yes those, you know, those, those boundaries. And that just sucks, man. No, it really does. I mean, I, I, I've at several points in this conversation, I've been mindful of the, the passage in Galatians two, where, um, Paul confronts Peter or, or yeah. he, he recounts his confrontation of Peter. And, um, I think that the most telling point in that story is his, his accusation against Peter. So, you know, I know you know this, but for the sake of the con- the conversation mm-hmm. that we're having um, being recorded, uh, Peter, so Peter has had both a conversion to Christ, but then also has had this conversion around what it means to be a Christian. 
So Peter understands that to be a Christian is no longer to be a Jew Mm -hmm. and that it's not appropriate to require Gentiles who have become Christians to pretend that they're Jewish or to actually even become Jewish. He knows that. Yeah. Right. So he's eating with Gentiles. He's eating, you know, he's having fellowship and Christian, he's having Christian fellowship with people of all different races. Um, uh, which that's kind of like Paul's center. That's almost the center of Paul's ministry is the building of this multi-ethnic church in the, in the new Testament, right? The transition of the transmission of the gospel across, across, um, racial lines. And then some people come from the Jerusalem church under James influence who, uh, think opposite of this, that if you want to be a faithful Christian, you also have to convert to Judaism in order to be a follower of Christ they come and Peter stops because they're present. He actually stops eating and fellowshipping with some of the non-Jewish Christians. So he, he basically will now only hang out with people of his own race. Yeah. And so Paul confronts him to his face in front of the community too. Right. Cause he, he's, he's committed a public sin. So Paul has a public confrontation with him and he does not accuse him of being a racist. He does not accuse him of being a sinner. What he specifically accuses him of is failing to understand what the gospel is about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that that's the accusation is that you, you are not living in accordance with the truth of the gospel. Yeah. What I think the exact phrase is. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's kind of crazy. Like when you, when you lay that, so then that, you know, the kind of, I mean, it's not exactly race, it's, it's ethnicity more, more Mm -hmm. specifically is what was going on then. But if you lay that same story over the top of our political divisions oh, here yeah. in our country, um, man, it's the same thing. It's yeah. like, okay, so is, you know, you're a communist, you're a white supremacist. Okay, well then doesn't matter if that we both claim obedience and allegiance to Christ. We don't have to hang out. We don't have to table fellowship because... I heard that you voted for Trump, therefore you're white supremacist, therefore I'm, you know, we're, we're not of the same tribe or vice versa. You know, I heard you're one of those uh, Bernie bros, therefore you're a socialist, therefore I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, well, come on. Like, that's not, that's uh, actually not what Bernie that bros. you have, you have denied the gospel. Yeah. You don't yeah. actually understand the that's good what. news of what God has done for us in and through the death and the resurrection of his son. Yeah. You don't, you don't get it. Yeah. Well, so this is what I'm excited about doing, right? Like I get to talk with one of my good friends about, we get to have these conversations. I think like during, you know, the process of this, you know, we're going to have some, some stuff that we disagree with. We're going to have some stuff that we agree with. I'm sure that we'll bring in some like literature or some books or some authors or some thinkers, articles or whatever that we'll have discussions about that we disagree with that person, but they're a follower of Jesus. Um, they may not be a follower of Jesus. And I think like my heart for this, this podcast is that we attempt to do the hard work of what we're talking about, that we model it well. Right. Um, and man, dude, it's just fun. Like I, I come home like invigorated after our conversations, even times when we just like, we're on two different pages. Right. I'm just like, I mean, Janie, Janie is like so frustrated after we talk. Cause first of all, I, I tell her I'm going to be back in like oh, 30 no. minutes and I'm back like three hours later. Oh. Um, but Jeannie, <laughs> if you're listening, I swear it's not my fault. It's all Elijah's fault. I tell him like, uh, Elijah, you should go home. Your wife is waiting for you. And he's like, no, 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 no. I want to talk. No, like, That's no, actually not true. Janie. It's all my fault. <laughs> 
It was like, you know, I told her that I've been raptured. <laughs> it was like, no, but Steve um, had a heart attack. I prayed for him. He came back to life. Came back to life. We had to talk about it. I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know, um, no, man. Like I, I think like that is that is it, man. Like I'm, I'm super excited about these conversations. I want to talk about like there's so much in here. I'm just, like, some of the stuff that we talked about was like sex or or uh, politics, uh, race. Um, I, I, like I love to for us to dive into some some stuff on CRT. After one of our conversations, I literally went and picked up the textbook, and I was just like, man, let me just like figure this out because I always know that like we're always one of the things that I appreciate is that we're always trying to be like intellectually honest. Right. With like, you know what I'm saying, the conversation that we're having. And so like, if we just don't know, we're just like, I, I don't really know about that. But I'll do some research on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Um, and so like, I always feel like super challenged after we have a conversation. It's like, yeah, I mean, let me go back and, and like re- really rethink that or, or whatever. Um, one of the things which I'm really excited about is talking about masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, I think like, especially in, what does that look like? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so does it um, does it make you feel more masculine when you threaten to punch me in the face? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no. <laughs> man, I did not. I did no such. The recording is here. We have to. You know what's so funny about this? It doesn't matter what the recording says. I know what I heard. Listen, you know, so my my coach always used to say, like, you know, we would like go through a drill and he was like, Elijah, you missed that block. I was like, Coach, I didn't miss a block. He's like, you know what? The eye in the sky don't lie. When we get to film, we will see if you missed the block or not. Nine times out of ten, I was always running uh, yep. later on. Yep. So um, I don't think I said that. <laughs> no, now, I, you, now, you I got me, now you got me rethinking no, I, my position. I'm going to punch you in the I, face. I, yeah. I, I think the direct quote is, Steve, I'm going to punch you in the face. Oh, Brace yourself. Smoke. I think that's what you said. That, that doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> no. Oh man, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. This is this is cool. This is cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some good conversations. Right, and yeah. it's, it's so it's official. This is a podcast. This is it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I might, I might actually release it on the other channel if you're cool with that. Yeah, man. Or do we? All right. So we'll, yeah, we'll it, this, up. this podcast will be, this episode will be on multiple channels. Multiple channels. Yeah. Yep. But this is the the official inaugural. Dude, is the t- that's the title? Yeah, which one? What are we calling? Knuckleheads. Knuckleheads? I like it. <laughs> I feel like we. It's 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 kind of like come right. Yeah. It's, it's better than Coneheads. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, which was a underrated movie. Underrated movie. Underrated. Movie. I'm not. I, so I'm not a big uh, comedy guy. Yeah, I don't you don't really, like it. Not really. I don't. I I've never really watched comedies where I'm like, oh, that was worth my time. Oh man. On like, there's been a couple, but yeah. I my my tastes in movies are peculiar in particular. Me and my wife will definitely watch. We'll definitely watch like comedies because we just want to like laugh. Like we're just like, yeah. Life is stressful. Like you should like. There's. Do you have Apple TV? No. So let me. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna put you. I'm a on. big Jeff Bezos supporter. So we have Amazon. Ah. Oh. Because I. I really. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just want to like support Jeff. <laughs> I mean, because he loves me. Like he smile. Like his, yeah. Just the and then Jeff like smile. he like works his workers to death so that you can get your stuff in two to three days. Yeah, man, I just really want to do I, my part. Which I'm like, I will support that. No. <laughs> This is all sarcasm. Uh, yeah. Well, but, it isn't. It isn't. So, <laughs> but Ted Lasso, you should watch it. Okay. You will enjoy it. All right. Yeah. It's, it's on Apple TV. And the way that you do it, if you don't want to pay for it, get the free month description. And then right when that month is up, cut it off. This God. is comedy? This is, what is it? It's a comedy. 
It's a short, 30, like a sketch show or what is it? Uh, no, it's just like a regular show. Like so a the, sitcom? Yeah, sitcom. Yeah. Premises, the guy is a coach, uh, okay. a football coach, won D2 championship. And then all of a sudden this lady who owns a Premier League soccer team brings him over because she is getting divorced from her husband who's this playboy and she gets the soccer team. So she wants to like destroy this premier league team. <laughs> and so like, but she gets this guy who's like the nicest dude in the world. Right. And his, the way he believes in coaching is just like, he believes in building people. Mm. And so now you have this like super nice person with this lady who's trying to destroy. And like, that's, I mean, and it just gets better. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So sitcoms don't bother me. Yeah. I, I, Movies are the ones. Well, cause sitcoms are, I don't know. I like I, I I'm not bothered by comedy either. But this is the thing. Like what I'm really looking for if I'm gonna watch something is I want um something that's gonna tease my brain. Yeah. Like I really want something where the it, it it's gotta be plot driven and the plot has to have some element of not necessarily mystery, but something that it could be oh. mystery or it could be you know, I mean, I really like sci-fi if it's done well. A lot of sci-fi is, doesn't. So you you like that last Christopher Nolan movie? Um, Which one? Um, the um, the one that came out during yeah. the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, no, I liked it. It that was. Um, I had my mind hurting. No, that, that I thought it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Why am I blanking on the name? I don't know. Tenant. Uh, Tenant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's like, that's perfect. That's right up my alley. I need you to explain. So I don't actually it to me afterwards. <laughs> So I don't even need like all the action. Yeah. Like the the plot of that movie is exactly what I'm looking for. And if you took all of the action, you could even take like the special effects and, and the like good acting. Wild. You could take all that out and I'll still enjoy that movie. It's crazy. Because it made my mind think. Man, dude, that's I'm not trying to think. It's entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Like you know what I'm like I'm just, like I'll be honest with you, like uh my what was that movie which I um uh, the the last one which I just like really I think it was like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. (laughs) 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 No, I can't. I I can't do movies like that. It's like, yeah, that's that's the dumbest thing ever. I have my mind is not thinking right now. So I I watched that a long time ago. There's a couple of movies like that that somehow got in front of me at the right moment where like they ended up making a a big impact. Usually it's because like I was in the room with friends or my brother or somebody and watched it, yeah. you know? So like, there's a couple of movies like, like what's the, it was a Jack. Oh yeah. The, um, tenacious D and the pick of destiny. No, not that one, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. but, but it's, um, the, come on the wrestler one. Oh, uh, Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre. On, right. Dude. So I've watched that a ton of times. Don't believe in God. People. I believe in science. <laughs> oh my, that is a great movie. Yeah. yeah. He baptizes him. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you have not been baptized <laughs> right so so like that oh my goodness but, but they're far and few in between we're so off the rails we did yeah all but, right but that was an hour and two minutes so yeah, man welcome to uh the inaugural episode of knuckleheads, uh, knuckleheads. yeah man right. All, right. <laughs> all right man cool thanks <laughs>